Hello, everyone. Welcome to Designing Science, the IndieBio podcast. I'm Arvind Gupta, your host and the founder of IndieBio. I'm here to help share the secrets and tales from the frontiers of biotechnology. IndieBio enables the world's best scientists to build radically innovative companies. This podcast is for you. Hey everyone, I'm super excited to have Alex Loristani with us today. Alex Loristani is co-founder and CEO of Geltor, the conscious biodesign company that has created the largest selection of 100% animal and GMO-free, globally scalable, and sustainably cultivated designer proteins. He is strongly motivated by the positive impact that Geltor's protein design and production technology can have on public health, sustainability, and user experience. Alex became interested in transforming the global protein supply chain as an MD PhD student working to solve antibiotic resistance. He studied medicine at Rutgers University, earned a PhD in molecular biology from Princeton University, and holds a BS in biology from Boston College. Geltor is a biodesign company creating designer collagen and other high value protein technologies with unprecedented functionality and consumer benefits. Developed for the cosmetic, nutraceutical, and food industries, their vegan proteins are 100% animal-free and cultivated using a proprietary and sustainable fermentation process. I'm super excited to have Alex because together we were building two different uh, firms at the same time. IndieBio invested in Geltor in batch two right when IndieBio was getting started. And it was a, a real pleasure of mine to get to know Alex through that process. Uh, and we still remain um, committed investors to this day. So thank you so much, Alex. I'm, uh, I'm honored to have you on the podcast. Hey, thanks, Arvind. It's really exciting to be here. And so, uh, you know, like thinking back to those heady days <laughs> four years ago, or something almost, yeah, four and a half, almost five years ago now. Yeah. Um, when you and Nick came into the into the ivory basement uh, with the idea of a, of a protein production platform, tell me a little bit about how you guys got the idea for uh, for the technology you're building today, and uh, and what was it like to come to IndieBio in that early time? Yeah, well, it was it was an amazing time, uh, and, and still is to uh, to build a company in biology. But you know, going back to 2015, um, actually, maybe going back just a little bit further to when Nick and I actually met in 2012. We were both, like you said, graduate students uh, in the same lab together at Princeton, working on our PhDs in molecular biology. And you know, Nick was always the person that people went to in the lab when they had a really hard problem <laughs> that they couldn't figure out on their own. So, you know, something that was just from the beginning, always really fun. Uh, and, and that I just always really enjoyed was like, you know, solving problems, uh, you know, with Nick, you know, in that time, something that was pretty amazing to, to watch happen was, you know, how much the technology that was around us, like even some of the tools that were just beginning to emerge and become more accessible, I should say, like, when we were undergrads, um, what that was changing, what we could actually do, you know, from a from a technology standpoint. Um, so, you know, I think that there was this combination of just fundamental changes in the the technology stack that was available to uh, founders or you know nascent founders in the space, um, and then at the same time, you know, personally, just being really excited about 
solving these big challenges in protein, um, like you mentioned, kind of in the very generous introduction, my you know clinical interest was infectious diseases. And when I learned that like 80% of antibiotics get used on farms to make animals better protein production <laughs> platforms, I just thought that was nuts. Um, and uh, and that biology was now in a place where we could start to start to tackle those challenges. And Nick had this really incredible insight into you know how we could bring together some of these new tools to actually you know purpose build a platform uh, for uh, for addressing this protein problem and you know just kind of like boil it down to a simple idea it was like okay why doesn't like the genentech of consumer products exist <laughs> and like you know how how can we be the company to build it and like you said you know when when we were first applying to IndieBio um, you know we had this idea that Shelter was going to be this uh, protein platform company. Um, and we got some we got some really good advice from you <laughs> when we were coming in, which is you know uh, a, a technology is not a product. Like a product is a product, so why don't you go and make a product? <laughs> so we we took a look at what we imagined the sort of future business looking like, and basically chose uh, chose a product to focus on in the first place, and really demonstrate the the power of the platform as step one. And you know, fast forward about five years later, we've kind of come full circle because you know we've been in a place where we can show the world like what the platform can actually do, and now customers actually understand uh, and uh, and and are asking for products that are built with it. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's, it is actually full circle, which is a, a really I didn't even stop to reflect on that. Uh, where you know, coming in with the ability to make anything, you know. Uh, any of these proteins and then stop and say, okay, well, what's the right one uh, to choose that would have scalable markets and all that kind of stuff? I think it was a, a really good choice, uh, Collagen. Um, it's proved out to be um, a product that has a bunch of different uses and price points and all this kind of stuff, which allowed you to build a really robust business. Um, what was it like, you know, I remember your early investors, some of them, you know, some of the angel investors, you know, being celebrities and things like that. I mean, you're one of the very early alternative protein uh, companies. And now, you know, fast forward for four or five years, there's hundreds of them. How's that been for you? Yeah, you know, it's, it's been, I think there are a couple of things that have been really exciting. And I, th I think that the, you know, top level thing is just how much the ecosystem has matured over the past, you know, four or five years, um, whether you're looking at it from a, uh, like a capital markets perspective, like you were mentioning, you know, when, when we were starting the business, you know, there was, <laughs> there was really one show in town when it came to, uh, you know, venture capital funds that were willing to back, you know, first time founders, like in this space with an idea, like on a napkin, um, that was SOSB. <laughs> so thank you. Um, and, and, you know, similarly, like when we looked at the, you know, kind of seed stage ecosystem for these ideas, like it was, at the time, and it's not that long ago, but a lot of our, you know, earliest backers were people that were really thinking about like sustainability and climate change uh, through the lens of um, through the lens of uh, animal advocacy, right, and, and animal rights. Um, and I think that like initial, you know, visionary group um, has really matured into now funds that are. Some of the some of the biggest ESG funds in the world um, are, uh, are 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 partnering with Geltor. So I think that that's uh, uh, just been a really interesting. Just looking at the capital markets alone, seeing how you know essentially this like band of angels has uh, stood up uh, an industry 
some of the biggest uh, you know investors in the world are you know understanding the the long term impact of. That's been really exciting to see. You know, alongside that, you know, none of this <laughs> would have mattered if uh, if the buyers weren't there from the beginning, <laughs> and and finding those just like you know fi- we were able to find those like visionary investors, being able to find those visionary customers in the early days, and and now it's essentially table stakes. So it's been really exciting to see that mature. And then just alongside that, all of the the talent that is flowing into this area. I think that more than anything, that is. That is the most exciting part of all this for me and Nick, just the folks that have really brought like, you know, a connection to this mission. It is incredible. You know, we already, you know, we all when we're in grad school, you get to see just the in- incredible sort of like brain power um, and creativity that's out there in the scientific community. But when you actually connect that to a mission, um, it has been really cool to see how that, you know, gets expressed. So I think that all those all those vectors have been really interesting to track over the past few years. Yeah, I, I do think, you know, I, I wasn't sure, you know, it's kind of funny, like three years ago, I was like, oh man, you know, are we doing too much food? Uh, are we doing too much protein? It's, you know, you're looking around and going, like, I see all this amazing stuff, all these amazing people, but, you know, is the, is the world, you know, am I just seeing the world in a way that, that is wrong? And, you know, you can only follow your gut, which is what what I ended up doing, and um, and it's been pretty interesting to watch and and see, like you said, all that talent come in now. So, you know, how was it for you scaling, going from two people, right, when you were graduating in Dubai? I think maybe three when by the time you graduated in Dubai, um, to uh, to today, where you have um, dozens of employees. Yeah, um, you know, it's been. Uh, that's been, I think, one of the the most exciting and most challenging parts of this whole journey. So, you know, when when Nick and I started the company, like I said, it was just the two of us today were just about 50 people. Um, And I think something that a really good lesson that we took away from uh, our time at IndieBio was just like, figure out what the most important thing that you got to get done over the next, you know, at that stage, uh, you know, six months to to year and a half is and build your team around that. Um, so coming out, right, we were a couple of molecular biologists that had this idea <laughs> and had some, you know, benchtop data, but we needed to actually build a process where we could manufacture at least a, a kilogram of gel tour protein in a single shot. Um, right. and, uh, and we just came up with that number because we figured out that was how much we had to make to get paid. <laughs> so, you know, what, what, what we did was go out and, you know, first look to build a, a process team. And that's how, you know, we, we ultimately through the Indie Bio Network found our, 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 first, uh, our, our first partner, Monica Bhatia, who uh, is leading process development at Geltor to this day. Um, and, you know, kind of going from there, just, you know, thinking about at each stage, okay, like what, what is, what's the next big unlock for this company and build the team around that. So when we were going into the sort of, you know, C to Series A stage, it was, you know, converting these pilots with partners into paid contracts. So started building the team around that. And it, it's not as simple, you know, I, I think kind of once you get past your first employee uh, as just hiring that one right person, you have to sort of start, start to think about this from a, uh, from a team perspective. Um, and along the way, you know, being really thoughtful about, uh, you know, culture is really easy to uh, understand <laughs> and reinforce when, like, it's just when it was just me and Nick living in the same house, like spending every waking second together. Um, but as the team is growing, just like finding these sort of like, you know, like uh, 
tools for like leverage for like communicating culture and values um, and uh, helping new people at the team understand really what what the Geltor way is. And and so are you going? Are you guys doing that by interviewing each person together? Do you have like an onboarding process that goes through that? Like, what are the nuts and bolts of doing that? Like when you're everyone's running around trying to get as much done, stuff done in a day as, as possible. Yeah, you know, it's it's a great question and something that I think we're getting better at every single day. So, you know, for, for a long time, up until really recently, uh, it, Nick and I interviewing every single candidate was a part of that. Now, um, uh, it, we're, we're no longer doing that because we became pretty quickly a, a bottleneck for actually scaling the team as quickly as we needed to. But, you know, I think that as we've matured, uh, one, just finding ways of uh, articulating what the culture is. Um, it's culture is not something that you can necessarily uh, control. It's something you can destroy, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it's just there. Um, and making sure that you're creating, you know, spaces and platforms for that culture to be expressed and championed is something that's really important. And it's been really exciting. You know, I think that one of the things that we did really early, probably earlier than, than most companies typically do, um, was actually hire somebody to uh, lead and and be a steward of, uh, of, of people and culture at Geltor. So, you know, it's been really exciting working with Jennifer um, on, on that. You've gotten to know her through, uh, through our work together on the board. Um, but I think that actually taking a step back and saying, this is a full-time job right? <laughs> thinking about the people and culture of Geltor as a full-time job and uh, partnering with somebody that has been thinking about it for a long time is really passionate, I, I think is uh, an important way of doing it. Yeah. So really that was helpful for you is having, you know, early on hiring a head of talent, let's just yep. call it, and, and really being able to transmit what's needed to them and have them buy into the whole thing and then have, you know, the head of talent be able to bring all the talents in, which frees you up. I think, yeah, I, I do think that's important. It was a good lesson for me to watch because the scaling becomes so much smoother and you, you lose a lot less time when things go wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, you know, to, to your point, you know, how do you, when do things go wrong? It's when, you know, I mean, one of the, the big drivers, if you're not making great decisions. And I think that, you know, a, a big part of culture is just, helping people understand how to make good decisions in the way that, you know, is aligned with the, the values that we have and the way that we do business. So, you know, it's, it's really just this amazing, it's so important just as a part of like the lifeblood of the company, but it's also just a super powerful tool for can't be in and, and shouldn't be in every single conversation with like every single person. It's how can you really like lead the organization, you know, by, by being a steward of this culture and, and helping people understand, uh, what that's all about here to, to make the best decisions that they can. And I know the mission, you know, your mission is really to impact, uh, impact climate, re remove animals from the supply chain and really be mission oriented there. You know, your buyers, do you think the buy your, the buyers and your customers are mission oriented? What, what is driving the desire for uh, vegan uh, proteins? Do you think? Yeah, it's, it's been really interesting to watch us evolve. I think that, early on <laughs> and we started commercializing product uh, you know within the past couple of years so it's still early but i think it's a reflection of how quickly things are changing early on you know what we saw was there were 
basically two camps of customers. There was one camp of customers that were really focused on performance, you know, a hundred percent, like how is this better than, you know, the, the other thing that, you know, I'm, I'm considering using and just really looking at it from a technical performance-based perspective. And then there was another camp, which was basically saying, hey, you know, how can we build these products in, in the most sustainable way uh, according to like a rubric that they have? I think that we've seen those, those camps really converge and, uh, you know, ultimately today, sustainability becoming like table stakes for most of these really big consumer product companies in particular, like they've, if you just go on, it's all public information. Like if you go onto their website, <laughs> you know, they're, they're making, uh, I think that the, the sort of evolution is, you know, first like talking about it, then making public commitments to it, and then actually like investing um, uh, seriously in, in these spaces. So it's, um, it's really converged to companies just basically needing this and it's no longer a nice to have it's actually a part of what their shareholders are holding them accountable for i i've watched that evolution alongside of you which is really interesting and you know i think one of the big questions on everyone's mind as they're building these types of companies is scientists go out and have a technology could we can you know move the needle in some significant way with uh you know around climate change how do you figure out your business model right like there's an interesting question. Geltor could easily have decided to be a B2C company or a B2B company. There's a lot of ways to go and build this business and build this brand. What are the reasons or how, how did you end up uh, supplying large customers and, and really settling on a B2B business model strategy? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that there are a few things you look at. One is founder DNA. <laughs> I think that's really important. Just like what kind of business are these founders actually, you know, built to lead uh, for, for the long haul. Um, another one is the technology itself, right? I think that when you're looking at what the technology can impact, if you're really building something that is fundamentally a single asset, I think that you have a real different frame of, uh, of business models as compared to a company that is you know, building, building a platform. It's, one's not better than the other. It's just going to set you up for success, I think, in, in different business models. Um, I, I think that those are the, the, two, most, uh, the two most important things. Um, that's, that's really how we thought about it. And so you and Nick really did feel like, you know, you, you had a great handle on the technical side. You could make product in, incredibly and, and really supplying uh, a world of uh, customers, business customers, uh, performance, sustainable proteins was, was the right way to go. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that the, you know, so if, if we look at sort of like the founder DNA part of it, it was, you know, we were, we were really comfortable uh, thinking about how can this technology platform impact like enterprise customers. Um, we were able to, I think, be really sensitive and empathetic with those customers. It's just, it's a fundamentally, you know, different business model uh, when, when you're thinking about going direct to consumer. And then, you know, I, I think that in our case, the other part of it was, you know, if we were building like a, a, a single protein company, um, it makes a lot of sense in that case to think about, you know, how can we get the most like leverage out of that single asset? Um, and in a lot of cases, it does make sense to actually build a brand uh, either kind of in the early days of the business or in the later days of the business. But because like, as we found, we can really produce a, a, a wide variety of proteins uh, for partners in the consumer product industry, it just made a lot of sense to, you know, not, not squander that. Um, it did mean we had to choose areas to focus in there, but just, just the model kind of extended very naturally from that.
Yeah, I think of the Amazon model, uh, right? Which, uh, I mean, the enterprise version of, of the Amazon where you pick books, you know, build out the entire business and, and uh, technology stack that's needed to, to deliver on, on the fundamental value of the company, but then expand horizontally across all possible categories, right? Yeah, and I think that for us, like, you know, the, the sort of the relevant decision in, in Jeltor history was saying, hey, it makes sense to start with collagen because that's like a beachhead in every single one of these consumer product companies that we want to serve. If you look at the beauty business, the home care business, the nutraceutical business, the food business, you know, beverage business, everybody needs collagen, right? And collagen use was growing, is growing like double digit year over year within this like broader environment of all these businesses trying to figure out how to get animals out of their supply chain. So it was like, that was sort of the, the combination of a, a tension between like how customers were behaving and like where the market was going, but also like more importantly, just like finding that like foothold with these partners to say, hey, like we can really add value to your business. Like look what happens if you work with Geltor, like this is what the Geltor difference looks like. And then using that as a way to like genuinely earn their trust, right? And, and the opportunity to work with them. And, uh, and so I, I, you know, I think that talking about that sort of like, you know, books as a beachhead, we, we always like to think of collagen as a beachhead. And we've been able to see that grow, right? Like we launched our first non-collagen product uh, very recently. And, and, you know, in the portfolio, we've developed uh, hundreds of proteins to date. So it's, uh, it's really exciting to see this unfold. And, you know, we're really just only a few years into it. Yeah, I think it, that is exciting. And uh, when you start to really think about all the different proteins that you could bring to market and the impact that would have on the on um, resources to feed the animals that are no longer needed in order to to provide those those proteins, but also animals that are kind of like not possible to harvest. And I think you know <laughs> we can talk about some of the products you can make that you just can't make in any other way. Yeah. You know, I think uh, actually I, I saw a pretty uh, a great interview um, uh, with uh, Sean O'Sullivan recently, <laughs> where he was talking about one of our products, which is a, a human collagen product, which we make for the skincare industry. I think this is a good example of sort of like separating the the source from from the actual product. So, you know, obviously, like we're not we don't we don't have like people farms, <laughs> um, and, and we're able to like you know fundamentally make uh, the best product for the application that that our customers were looking for instead of the one which just has been historically available because we have like a ton of fish waste sitting around. Um, so, you know, I think that, that that's one example. Um, uh, and, uh, and and we've, you know, demonstrated a, a few other examples uh, in, in our dead Indie Bio. The very first collagen that we made was a was a Mastodon collagen. Obviously, the, there, there's there's no Mastodon out there that um, that we can uh, that, that we could source the collagen from. But because we know the sequence, we have the platform, it's something that we can produce. That's right. And I remember eating that Mastodon gummy bear and yep. uh, and I said I mentioned it to a reporter who then full headline quoted me I've eaten dinosaur. <laughs> it was really Mastodon. <laughs> That's right. You know, phylogeny can be a little tricky sometimes. Uh yeah, no, the, it's but it really is like I mean I think that's the power of what we're talking about with uh using genetic engineering in non-clinical non-therapeutic settings um, because our lives are powered by biology 
uh, everything we consume is biologically driven. Um, the things that we build our houses with and the, you know, there's so much biology around us that I don't think people fully understand and the only way we can turn the wheel of climate change is to radically reinvent how we build everything around us, how we consume everything uh, that we that we eat and drink um, and the fashion that we wear, all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, the makeup we consume. So, you know, because biology underpins so much of it, I think um, it's a it's a technology that's that's truly, I think, caught up to information technology, like um, as as a, as something that's going to power the next century. Are there any areas that you know Geltor is not in or never will be in that you're like, oh gosh, you know, like that's going to be a, an important area. I, I hope someone's working on that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that. It is the first place where my mind goes is just the really the ecosystem that's around us. And it's exciting to see, you know, different companies coming out um, uh, every every week, um, every every month now um, that are focusing on this, like, you know, fundamentally uh, looking at a company like uh, Culture Biosciences, you know, finding I think that, you know, in their case, what they really cleverly identified was, hey, you know, the limiting factor for certain companies is fermenter hours, just like simply takes a long time to get the equipment, takes a lot of capital to install the equipment actually run it. Like what if we could have like a cloud fermentation service? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that, you know, the, what they built, like I say, just like feels like magic. And um, I think that there are more and more pieces like that coming together that, you know, really contribute to different parts of this ecosystem, which, you know, we're not going to play in, right? Like we're, we're the company that's coming for all the protein. Um, but there are so many different pieces. I think that if you look at the way software gets built today, something it's like a, a, a very mature industry. Um, there are, you know, many different tools that the people that are building these products can use in order to focus on building the actual best product for their customers and not spend all their time focused on actually building tools. <laughs> so I, I think that's one of the places that I'm most excited about. It's going to take time for that part of the ecosystem to develop, but we're, we're already seeing really exciting things. And I think that it's actually been surprising to see how quickly these businesses have started to grow because most people really don't have a good grasp on how much biology is already integrated into the fabric of our lives. <laughs> um, like it's, it's already such a big part of the way that we make products. And I, I think just the room in front of that to run like is so exciting. Like if, if we think back to something analogous, it's like going back to what chemistry was like, a, I don't know, like 120 years ago, you know, it was like early uh, sort of uh, points of uh, industrialization and, and like commercial proof points for it. But, you know, it really took like, 120 years for that to come to full flower. And, and I, I think that's like, we're going to see that on an accelerated timescale with biology today. That's like, we're, we're at a very kind of early stage of, uh, of all this. Yeah, you know, it, it's hard to, it's something that I'm starting to appreciate. It's, it's hard for me to, to really grasp that because, you know, for me, five years been doing this, right? and uh, investing in, in these types of companies. And, and it feels like it's been forever, right? That we've been, that this has been going on and really it's just starting to move. Right? Like, yep. um, and, and I think, you know, I, I try to remember that every once in a while, uh, but you start seeing it when you get this, the technology stack, like you said, culture, biosciences, and then ADPDU like locally here, but all around the world, there's 
fermentation that can that services that can that can take you all the way to scale up. And anytime you're converting capital expense to operating expense, you're now able to operate more lean and more nimbly, um, and that just serves the. the it serves the uh, startup ecosystem. Yeah, and and I think that like the endpoint that is a really exciting. The thing that we'll see like all of these pieces of the ecosystem ultimately leading to is, um, is, is like a graph where if you look at the penetration of you know a product like brewed collagen today, you know that'd be at the very bottom of the graph <laughs> if the y-axis is, is penetration and, and the x-axis is time. But I think that what we see with other bio-based products, I mean, if you go, go to like insulin, they hit these inflection points really quickly. They just completely flip the supply chain from being traditionally derived from X to being now derived from you know a, a, an oligopoly of companies usually. So I, I think that that's what we're seeing, and that flip is going to be, I think, even faster than what we saw with you know traditionally chemi chemistry-based companies, um, because we are able to move biology today. I think in a fundamentally faster way, from like a discovery perspective, from a scale-up perspective, yeah, and, and and a few other factors. Yeah, and I wonder, you know, we talked about the two camps, right? Uh, functionality or performance, um, and then sustainability. And you know the beautiful thing about biology is those two things aren't mutually exclusive anymore. And so, where do you see like, how do you find functionality for your customers? Do you have a special way of of saying like, okay, here's the here's the thing that you the protein you used to use or you normally would use because that's what happens to be available. Here's the thing that you should be using because it actually matches what your what the profile you desire is. Do you guys have a way of, of figuring that out with your customers and, and building a spec or collaborating uh, on those types of projects? Yeah, I mean, this, it, it's a great question. I think this has been one of the most exciting parts of, of the journey. Like in the beginning, basically started building products so that as like a substrate for getting feedback, right? It was just kind of like, you need to go to the customer with something in hand, you know, not just an idea. Um, you almost need to go <laughs> go to them with something to insult, right? Just like, you know, so, something for them to tear apart and, and help you build build something better. So, you know, we started talking with customers, like we would come out with, uh, with a particular product and then they'd start asking questions, right? Like, what about this kind of protein? Then we say, oh, well, you know, why not? Uh, you know, if you want that kind of protein, like, why do you want that kind of protein? Like, pushing them to expand their thinking around it. Like, I think the classic example was, you know, showing up with one kind of collagen customer saying, Hey, uh, you know, could you make a, could you make a pig collagen through fermentation? And we said, well, why would you want to make a pig collagen? They said, well, that's closer to human and, and human would be uh, better for uh, skincare applications because it's compatible with uh, like human biology. We said, well, what about human collagen? <laughs> and, and I think that, you know, sort of uh, doing the work of one, you know, having a vision around a product and kind of like seeing, uh, really like directionally where that will be taking you. Um, but then just actually spending the time, like putting yourself in the shoes of the customer and saying like, what are the challenges that you're facing? Uh, and you know, why are you spending your time with the startup company, right? Like they have, they have a lot of stuff to do and they'll tell you pretty quickly whether or not, um, you know, what, what you're doing can actually help them. So I, I think it really comes down to when you're thinking about, you know, like building these products, it's just spending time with your customers and understanding, what the opportunities and challenges that you know they're facing are. It's it's remarkable how many challenges that are just not known publicly, right? Yeah. Three or four people know it inside a large firm and that's about it. 
Yeah. So, you know, it's, it, I think that in the world that we live in, there's a combination of um, kind of functionality um, opportunities and then like formulation opportunities. Like one of the things that, you know, really, really cracked me and Nick up was the first thing that customers would do when we brought them uh, our animal for collagen was actually like crack open the bottle and smell it. And we were just like, why is that the first thing that everybody does? And it's like, because the animal collagen that people get today from animals smells like the animal that it comes from. And in cosmetics, so almost all of it is from fish. So the, so the product actually smells like fish, and that's like one of the biggest pain points <laughs> for these customers. So it's just kind of like, you know, understanding what the universe of um, needs are from the customers, and then just like finding the most important ones that, that we can actually solve for them. Um, so yeah, just like actually like walking a mile in their shoes is insanely valuable. Like we, we, we have never stopped doing it. I think it actually becomes more and more important as, as you're growing with these businesses. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's very true. And, and I think the other thing, you know, that's interesting about the business you're building, right. Is that it's, you're making these products that are, that are in essence, commodities that are interchangeable products with something else you know when you bring in functionality aspect of it it might perform better but um generally it costs more right what's it been like trying to sell into your customers when your product simply costs more than than uh the product they use today yeah well you know i think that something that's been really important has been to try to separate out like the product from the association with commodity products. And, you know, I think for, for us really focusing on um, like, again, what the product is actually doing and it being just so fundamentally different from anything that you'd be able to get from a commodity, it actually puts it into a, a different category in and of itself. And, and I think that was something really important for us to do from the beginning was essentially, you know, work to like, create a category of this being a like a, a, a bioidentical active ingredient as opposed to being a drop replacement for for a collagen right I think that if you look back at biotechnology businesses in the, the 80s and 90s that were getting started so much of it and really because the technology was pointing to doing this was you know copying and pasting from commodity sources just making something that has already existed and doing it at a bigger scale or trying to make it more sustainable, but not really focusing on like performance benefits. So I think that staying away from the, the commodity side of these opportunities is really important, um, especially in the early days, right? Um, uh, as, as you don't have the sort of scale that, that you would need to take a swing at those sorts of markets. That's going to be the key for um, a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs out there uh, that are trying to build these types of fermentation companies is you're just more expensive. And so either you can do something that no one else can do, or you have a way of getting the customer to understand the value of, of your, you know, the benefits of, of the product um, uh, as it stands. It's a, yeah, it's a key point. And I think that the, the thing that you really want to focus on is, you know, what kind of value is this creating for your customer, right? And if you go in and can show that, hey, if you build this product with this uh, hero ingredient, this is the difference that you'll see in sales, right? <laughs> this is the impact that you see on top line. And then you really, it really completely changes the conversation from, oh, you know, what is the price comparison to like this other ingredient? 
to, oh, here's why you know, we're investing um, in this technology. I think that it's really important to guide uh, and focus on opportunities where customers are thinking about it from the perspective of investing in a technology that is going to fundamentally change their top line because they can access a different kind of customer um, or, or be more competitive in, in a different segment or you know, launch something new that they couldn't before, whatever it is, you know, helping them helping them do something that is valuable. <laughs> and that's what it comes down to is, is the really important thing, like swapping out a commodity for something that is, you know, like marginally better is, is, is not, that's where biotechnology goes to die, always has and, and always will. Yeah, I agree. And, and clearly what you guys are doing is not that. And because of it, you know, you just raised uh, congratulations, um, your series B, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, that's yeah. right. And so, you know, that's to scale and produce uh, a bunch of a bunch of products for uh, the many customers that you now have. Um, where do you see Geltor, uh, you know, way down the line, you know, in five, 10 years? You know, I, I think that what we're seeing is the consumer product industry starting to put together their, you know, sustainable ingredient partner <laughs> supply chain, right? It is it is being rebuilt actively right now. And what we're what we're jockeying for <laughs> is being that partner of choice for the biggest consumer product companies on the planet. So whenever they're thinking of building, you know, their next iconic product or reformulating what has been, you know, the most important product in their line or creating a, a new line of business. We want them to call Geltor first because we have the products that can make that possible. Um, so, so that's like, I, I think what's really exciting, right? Thinking about integrating into these businesses in the same way that lots of other uh, critical technology providers have. That's what we want to do. Interesting. So in a, in a way you're talking about like in, as Amazon Cloud is for everyone's uh, you know, server and, and storage you can be that technology for product. Yeah, I, I think that's a perfect way of putting it. Yeah, uh, super exciting, Alex. And I think one of the things that I just love about what you're doing, not only is the mission aligned with who you are, but you've just been such an incredible part of the community and helping so many entrepreneurs that have come after you succeed. And I think, um, you know, you come to the panels and, and give a lot of great advice, and uh, and I appreciate that. Is there any like final parting piece of advice you'd give to any scientists uh, who are thinking about taking the plunge and and trying to turn their their idea into world changing product? Uh, yeah, do it. <laughs> Do it. Um, I, I mean, I think that, you know, I, I feel so lucky to be here, right? Like, I'm, I'm essentially the first person that Nick hired <laughs> to, to start Geltor. And, you know, I still remember, we, we joke about this, like, he walked up to uh, uh, my lab bench uh, in, uh, in the lab, and um, he hadn't even kind of finished getting the sentence out of his mouth. And, and I already said yes, right? And I think that that's just really what it comes down to. If you find that, like, magical combination of the right person and the right challenge, like just go for it. Um, and that's always the hardest part. What you do is going to evolve <laughs> and you and your partners, your investors, they'll be ready for that. Um, but just get, just get started. Um, and I think that you'll be, you know, <laughs> you, you can only, um, I think that you won't look back and ever regret that. 
Yeah. And I like what you said is finding that partner, right? I think I do think that's really critical when I look at all the successful companies that we funded, something in common with them all is a really great partnership, a great yeah. dynamic duo that that started it off. So yeah, for everyone thinking about it, um, go f- find someone that can share your vision and uh, and and build towards changing the future. Alex, I want to just say thank you again so much. We're out of time, but um, you know, like always, chatting with you, time flies. Uh, again, really appreciate the work you're doing. Thanks, Arvin. I'm super excited to see all the places that IndieBio goes now in two cities. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know it's kind of crazy. Uh, the New York, but New York has been absolutely phenomenal um, to work with. I'm truly thrilled um, at that collaboration. Cool. Awesome. Thanks again. All right. Take care. Thank you.